Uh, it's good to be together. It's good to be here. And uh, whether we're in person or online, man, I just I love being with the church and being with you guys and continuing our fall teaching series, looking at these dynamic moments that happen around the table. I never really thought about it. I always love food, right? I always love being around people. Uh, and yet, when you look at Scripture, you see these dynamic, life-changing moments that happen around the table. And Jesus loved to, to connect with people around the table. And we're talking about the idea throughout this series of, of the importance of food, f- food, faith, and friends. And, and the, the, the dynamic that that, happen, that happens around the table when you've got food, faith, and friends. Uh, and, and it's exciting to, to just continue to dig in on this. We're going to end this series uh, right at Thanksgiving. It's perfectly timed, right? Yeah, around the table. Uh, today we're talking about this idea of gathering around a generous table. And a generous table meaning that when we gather around the table, it's an opportunity for us as Christ followers to be generous uh, with those that are with us and what bountiful blessing is on the table, whatever it is. Uh, But when we talk about generosity and this idea of generous hospitality, uh, some of us get really excited about that. Hospitality is not a bad word to some of us in the room. We enjoy having people over, right? How many of you enjoy having people into your home and hosting people Right? Okay, some of you. Right? Some of you like to be more on the grill in the backyard, cooking, smoking things up, and then you get to be generous with whatever brisket you've been cooking. But the, uh, the idea of generous hospitality for some of us gets, ooh, we get our little inner Martha Stewart going, right? Whether it's Super Bowl party or Thanksgiving or just a, a summer barbecue, we enjoy having people over. I enjoy having people over. Uh, I enjoy hosting those things and making things fun, and, 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 and I was studying this idea of hospitality, and I came across this, this concept in a book that challenged the idea of the difference between entertaining people and being hospitable. And I found out as I thought about this, I'm really good at entertaining people. Like when I have a Super Bowl party, you come in, and there's just games everywhere. Like we do games. We don't just watch a game, Right? We, we play games. We got trivia. We got scores. We got prizes. We got all these things. My kids and I, we watched Cars 1, 2, and 3 recently. Dad just couldn't sit there and just watch Cars for the hundredth time. So we made trivia. While watching it, I was on my phone making trivia. And then at the end, we like challenged all of our children, how much do you know about Lightning McQueen, right? We did trivia at the end. Like Dad just can't not entertain people. April always says, you make things fun, right? But this book was challenging because it challenged this idea that I really like to entertain, but I don't know if I'm really good at hospitality. Wrestle with that question for a moment. What's the difference between entertaining and hospitality? Just answer it within yourself. Just think about it for a moment. Maybe scribble a, a note down. The difference between entertaining and hospitality. They're two different things. Entertaining is all about, look at my home. Look at how clean it is, how prestigious it is, how perfect and Joanna Gaines it is. Everything goes together. Look at this food that I've prepared. Look at these fun-tivities that I've created. Look at the prizes that you're going to win. We're so happy you're here, but it's because you're lucky to be with me. Think about entertaining. It's all about me and look at what I have to offer. It's performance. It's perfection. It's ultimately selfish at its base. Whereas hospitality And some of you might argue that this is semantics, but I I don't think so. Hospitality is looking at the guest and saying, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that we get to be with you. Welcome. 
May this be a safe place for you, a place of care, a place of compassion. You know, I don't think it's an accident that the word hospital and hospitality hmm, might go together. Hospitality is not about me. It's about seeking the other person. It's about serving others rather than serving myself. It's about servanthood rather than self-serving. I really challenged my thinking on this idea, and I think it, it, it blends perfectly into what Jesus is talking about, as Josh was saying. Last week, we talked about this parable about our seating arrangements and who we sit by and this idea of a humble table, and we don't turn people into projects around the table. People don't want to be a project. When I sit around the table with you, I, I, I'm going to guess you don't want to be my little fixer-upper project. Let me just fix all your problems for you. But a humble table says, man, I'm going to love you the way Jesus would love you. I'm going to accept you the way Jesus would accept you. I'm going to show you grace the way Jesus would show you grace. I'm going to speak truth the way Jesus would speak truth. But you're not my project to fix. I'm going to point you to the one who is our Savior because I'm not him. Well, then he goes into this instruction immediately after talking about how at that same table we are to do what? Bless others. Go in from a humble table to a blessed table. It's like Jesus knew there was somehow a connection between pride and money. Man, he's a smart dude. There might be a correlation between humility and generosity that he wants to get at. Jesus is a smart guy. He talked about money a lot. And I know some of you are like, great, the money talk at church. Awesome. But Jesus talked a lot about money, and he talked a lot of various themes on money, about giving secretly and not announcing it on your Twitter page, right? He talked about giving sacrificially and that generosity is going to cost you. He talked about this idea of giving, and we don't just give a little bit off the top. We give our whole life into that bucket, man. We give it all away. That giving is an act of worship. It's not just something we do. It's not just routine. It is a way that I honor Jesus with my life and with everything that I have. It's like Jesus knew that uh, that money, for many of us, could be that key Jenga block. How many of you loved Jenga growing up as a kid, right? Just a simple game. You pull those blocks, boom, tower comes down, right? And I have a steady hand, so I'm really good at Jenga. I mean, look at that. That's like three cups of coffee. That's just ready to go. And I'm really good at Jenga. Not really. I'm being sarcastic there. I'm really bad at Jenga. I just, rah. But Jesus knew that money was, for many of us, that key Jenga block, that if we pull that block, going to come tumbling down. That the towers that we've been creating, the towers of greed and materialism and personal kingdoms, how many of us are building our own personal kingdoms, our own personal infrastructures and security blankets, our self-reliance, our arrogance, our idolatry, our egos, we've been constructing these towers, and Jesus, he just kind of knows, because he talked about it a lot, he knows if we pull that block, Because if he can deal with my addiction, my greed, my uh, dealings with money, my addiction to money, I'll become more dependent upon Jesus than my stuff or myself. And so there's a lot of facets of generosity that we could talk about, but this story that Jesus and this teaching that Jesus gives us around the table here is this idea of being generous in our hospitality, generous around the table with people. So other giving talks would talk about sacrifice and worship and uh, tithing and offerings and those differences. That's for another sermon. Today is about this idea and this concept of showing generous hospitality. 
And in this story, there's one main point that I see is that generous hospitality is rewarded, but not always reciprocated. Generous hospitality is rewarded, but not reciprocated. Look at this passage of scripture, because we see who Jesus tells us to invite. Who does he tell us to invite? In verse 13 and 14, people that can't pay you back. Verse 13 and 14, he says, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, dot, 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 they cannot repay you. You will get nothing out of this. Imagine throwing a dinner party and everyone around the table, you didn't know. Everyone was hurting. Everyone was starving. Everyone was marginalized. Everyone was outcast. Everyone was hurting in some capacity. Imagine that Thanksgiving dinner. That'd be a different Thanksgiving dinner. We're not just feeding the full. And he tells the group in that same text, he tells us who not to invite. Verse 12. When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they will invite you back, so you will be repaid. And some of you for Thanksgiving said, hallelujah. It says, don't invite my friends, my family, my brothers, my relatives. Hallelujah, Lord, I will be Christ-like in that. No? It doesn't mean that we're not supposed to hang out with people we like or people that we have affinity for or heritage with. That's not the point of what Jesus is getting at. What's he getting at? The deeper issue here with generosity is that so often we turn it into a transaction, that we're looking for an ROI, a return on my investment. Think about it. If I give X, God will give me Y. How many of us do this with people, right? We do it with God constantly. God, I guess I'll put something in the bucket uh, because then I'm going to get Y. But think about what we do with people. Think about the last time you went out to eat with somebody and it was ambiguous when that checkbook or that check that the, uh, that the waiter or waitress dropped on the table, right? You know, they drop that down and then there's that like stare down. You, me, you, me, you, me. And then they grab it. You're like, oh, nobody? <laughs> Come on. But then there's that twinge inside of you like, oh, now what do I owe? I'll get coffee next time. I'll get lunch next time, right? There's that transactional idea. Or we reach for it real quick, and, and, and these are things we would never say to them. I'll get this one. You get the next. Does anybody ever literally say that? Right? You go to lunch with friends, and you're like, I got this one. Next time, it's on you. Inside, we think that, though. I got this one. I always get this one. When are you going to get it? Like, we're thinking that in our heads. If I buy this meal, they'll get the next. If I buy this meal, they'll invite me into their home. If I buy this meal, they'll hang out with me more. If I buy this meal, they'll like me more. If I buy this meal, they'll think I'm really nice and generous and Christ-like. These transactional expectations that live in our minds and our hearts, let's be honest. Anybody ever felt those things, thought those things? I'll be generous around this table because it will lead to me experiencing or being blessed in this capacity. So we feel that, and Jesus is beginning to just pull on that Jenga block that generosity isn't about a return on investment. It's not always about balance. It's not always about what we get in return. Jesus is challenging this idea of keeping score. Some of us are really good at keeping score. Some of us are good at keeping ledgers, and he says that general, generous, not general hospital, don't go there, 
Generous hospitality is about giving it away as a gift. Whether I'm inviting people into my home and saying, hey, eat whatever I prepared, or whether I'm going out to eat and I pick up the check, or whether I buy them coffee without them asking for it, this generous hospitality is not this idea of return the favor. What am I going to have reciprocated back to me? Generous hospitality is a lot like giving Christmas presents to your kids. I give presents to my kids. My love language is giving gifts, right? Those that know me for a long time, like that is my love language. I love to give gifts and I love to receive gifts. Uh, that is definitely how I speak love. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, we can sometimes bring that when giving gifts to adults, right? I bought you a Blu-ray player, and what did you buy me? A $10 Target shirt. Okay, thanks, grown-up, right? You ever felt that? Like, I bought Ryan an iPod, right? Like, here it is. What did you give me? An oven mitt. Awesome, thank you so much. I will cherish this forever. But see, when we give gifts to kids, we don't always think that. When I give my kid a Nintendo game for Christmas, I'm not thinking like, well, you owe me. I'd be a terrible parent if I expected that. Plus, it's my money anyways that they're spending. <laughs> but see, I give my kid a Nintendo game, and I know I'm going to get like Batman socks. Because they know I love Batman. They're not equal. But I don't go into that expecting a return that's equal. I just want to bless my children. I want to bless them. I want to give to other people in that way. And Jesus is trying to develop this idea of generosity in the same way. Giving like that to all people in all situations. It's not about what I get. Whether it's giving a Christmas gift or giving to the church or buying somebody lunch or having them over for dinner. It's not about what I get out of it. I can't expect that it's going to be reciprocated in that same way. But Jesus does say what? It will be rewarded. And you might say, well, that's the same thing, isn't it? But let's look at it. Generous hospitality is rewarded but not reciprocated. Luke 14, 14, he says, and you will be blessed. If you do this, if you give to those who can't give, you ba give back, right? He says in verse 14, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. You will be repaid at the resur resurrection of the righteous. So he's saying that this generous hospitality is going to be repaid. You are going to be called what? What does he say? You will be blessed. You're going to be happy. You're going to experience some joy here. You're going to experience a repayment of some kind. So we're going to be rewarded. But let's be honest, that reward is not always here on earth. It is not always today or this year, or while I'm here. Jesus says in Matthew 6 that I need to be somebody who is storing up my treasure in heaven, not here on earth. And so he's talking about this future reward. He, he says this phrase, resurrection of the righteous. That sounds very Christianese to me. The resurrection of the righteous. You're not going to hear that outside of church. That's not a phrase that you're going to hear during the Seahawks game or at trick-or-treating tonight. Right, The resurrection of the righteous. But it's this idea of Jesus forecasting in the future for all of the listeners. And he's saying in the future, there's going to be a resurrection of God's people. God's people are called righteous, holy, pure. They're his children. 
And there's going to be this resurrection, this rising up, this gathering of God's people. And you will be rewarded because that is your reward, to be counted as part of God's family. That's your reward. It's not a security blanket. It's not a 401k. It's not a lunch in the future. It is being counted as a part of God's family. That's your reward. That's a heck of a reward. That's a reward that can't be taken away from me, doesn't need an upgrade, doesn't need a new iPhone, right? It's, just, it's, a, it's a great reward because, because it is the resurrection of the righteous. And so God is telling us that we get to be counted as a part of his family. Now let's be very clear. Am I a part of God's family because I give? Someone's shaking their head. They're correct. No, I do not become a part of God's family because I give. That would be transactional again. Jesus is not getting at that transactional type of theology. It's not about, wow, I gave a lot to the church, so I punched my ticket to heaven. That's not what he's saying here, right? I'm saved not by my works, but by my faith. So I'm saved by belief. I'm saved by faith. I'm declared righteous in God's eyes, not by what I do, but by my belief in Jesus to make me righteous, to declare me righteous, not by what I do. Not by coming to church enough, not by memorizing enough scripture, and definitely not by being generous enough. So let's be very clear on that page. You are not going to heaven because you gave a lot. But what he is saying is that those who are declared righteous will be generous. If we are a part of God's family, this is a characteristic of God's family. We are generous because he is generous. We are people who will look at all that we have and say, it's all for him. My couch, my home, my bucket of candy tonight. I look at my candy tonight as an opportunity to be generous. You want candy? I'm not giving a fun size. That ain't fun, right? We're going to be generous to our trick-or-treaters. Here, bam, here's your candy. Like that has been a part of what we do with Halloween here at Hub City Church. We give tons of candy. Why? Because we want to see that generosity and that kindness, that joy. But it's because God is a generous God. Jesus has been generous to us. And so my generosity is an indicator that my faith is true, pure, selfless, righteous. The way that I am generous with people without expecting anything in return is an indicator of the righteousness that has been cultivated in me through Christ. And what I love is that Jesus is challenging them, gather around the table, be generous with people. And it will show that the faith you're living out is real. How many of you want a real faith versus a rhetorical faith? Anybody just want to talk about how they love Jesus? This is where we find ourselves at the intersection of faith and reality. Faith and life. Right? It's this idea that we don't just want to be people who live in the clouds. And we don't, I don't want to be a church that's just ethereal. And we're thinking about, gosh, it's so great to think about all that we believe and who we are and da 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 I want to be people who are desperately seeking where reality and faith intersect, right? It's at this cross point, right? Okay, and let's show those pictures, that, that, that signpost, right? It's this idea. This is where faith and reality line up is our pocketbook, our table, our generosity. It's where it shows that this is real to us and we want to live a real lifestyle of generous hospitality, and it will point to a real faith. We see this in the early church. We talked about the early church a couple weeks ago at the beginning of this series in Acts chapter 2, and, and 
the book, on, book of Acts is the early church just as they explode, right? And, and the, uh, as it makes an impact in the world and, and spreads all over the place. And you look in Acts chapter 2 and you see the early church and people want to be the early church. Acts chapter 2, we see them studying the scriptures, we see them seeing the miraculous, we see them uh, growing in their faith, but what, one thing we didn't talk about when we talked about the early church a few weeks ago was that they were united around a generosity for each other. In Acts 2, 44 through 45, it says, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. That is not because it was just a part of their church liturgy. Let's pass a bucket. It was an indicator of this real faith that was cultivated in them. They had experienced a generous God. They had a faith in a God that had shown them, I'm willing to give it all for you. Jesus gave it all for us and died on our behalf. God extends generously his love to each and every one of us, saying, I love you so much, I will provide a way for relationship with the creator. Faith in a God that tells us to go love our neighbor the same way that he loved us, generously, selflessly. That's what you see in Acts. You see a church that is real, genuine, authentic. It's an indicator of the righteousness that they've experienced in Christ. It is not the other way around. They weren't generous so that they could be righteous, so that they could then be more godly. No, they, they experienced a, a change because of Jesus, and they looked at their world differently. They looked at their stuff differently. And when we look at Acts chapter 2, we see this sense of community. It is defined by generosity, but we see other things, right? But you see this bond and community that develops because community is developed through generous hospitality. Does anybody want to hang out with a stingy person? I didn't see one hand, just to be very clear. Not one hand went up and said, yeah, I love hanging around frugal, stingy, cheap people that keep score and tabs and ledgers and give me invoices. No, community is developed when we are generously hospitable to each other. The church in Acts is more bonded together, more united. And so are we. We show that kind of generosity to, to each other. Think about what happens when we're generous around the table with people. We meet needs. We have compassion and we actually care for people because we hear what's going on and we're able to actually help where they need help. We don't just arbitrarily like, I think they might need food. No, we understand this is your need. You need childcare. You need food. You need a car for right now. You need your lawn mowed, whatever, right? I'm going to generously bless you because I hear about the need that's taking place because I'm hanging around you. I'm around you. I'm spending time with you. I'm developing community with you. And what's happening is I'm hearing about these needs that are taking place. And I'm going to help. So when we build community around that generosity and that hospitality, what happens? Needs are met. How many of you like seeing needs being met in your church? Heads are nodding. Yeah. Yeah. How many of you love a church that doesn't meet needs? Nobody's moving. Think about the, think about the dynamic of that community, though, to be able to meet needs. Think of the safety and the vulnerability that takes place. When you have a need, 
you have to feel safe to share it, don't you? If you need companionship, if you need a car, if you need a ride, if you need groceries, if you need a babysitter, if you need your lawn mowed, if you need food, doesn't it take vulnerability to say that to somebody else? I think especially as, as an American, especially as an independent person, especially as a Pacific Northwest person that doesn't like to tell people what's going on in their life, right? Think of the dynamic that's happening in that community to be so vulnerable and so honest to say, I need help. I'm not okay. People don't know about needs unless they're shared, unless they're told. So you can't have that without what we talked about last week about the humble table. See how they go together? Because if everybody views themselves as a project to be fixed, nobody wants to be that. And nobody's going to share their need because they just think you're going to try to fix all their problems and be their answer, be their solution, right? But they feel cared for and loved and accepted and supported and listened to and heard. And it creates a space for honesty. I'm not okay. I need help. It builds this sense of community that when I ask for help, I'm not being judged, I'm being supported. Think of the dynamic that happens as people feel known and seen and heard, noticed, belonging. When you read that text in Acts chapter 2, all people were together and had everything in common. What do you see? You see unity. How many of you want that for your church? A sense of unity, bonding, closeness. When you help somebody in a time of need, it reminds you that, man, everything I have is yours. Take it. And when your needs are met, what does that remind you? I'm not alone. I've got people in my corner supporting me building our faith, it's building relationship, it's building community. This is the stuff that we all crave. This is what we want for church. And so it, it hinges on these ideas of a humble table, but also a generous table. Will I allow everything in my disposal to be used for the kingdom of God? And so I want to end with that qu a question. And this is a part of the table talk that's on the cards and in the YouTube description for you to talk about. But what does generous hospitality look like for you in this season? To think about that, because it might be different for each of you, and you're in a different season of life and different sphere of influences, but what does generous hospitality look, for, look like for you in this season? Inviting somebody over for dinner? Taking somebody out to lunch? Maybe it's housing somebody in your home. That's generous hospitality. Maybe there's a college student that needs a place to stay or somebody that's lost their home and they need a room. It's not about what we get, is it? It's about, I have. What do you need? I, I can help. Open up that spare room. Maybe it is about inviting somebody to your Thanksgiving dinner this year. Somebody doesn't have anywhere to go. They don't want to be alone on Thanksgiving, but they're not going to go out and declare that on Facebook. But you go and you invite them in. Say, come on over. We're going to have way too many calories, and you need to be there. Is it bringing somebody groceries? Is it babysitting? Is it, you know, fill in the blank. It's going to be different for each of us. But what does generous hospitality look like in this season of your life? And I want us to be a church that is pursuing this, going after this living this out. The Apostle Paul talked about this with the Roman church. Uh, the Christians in Rome, in, in, in his letter to them called Romans, 
It was very creative in their titling. But his letter to them, the Apostle Paul wrote a simple sentence that I think should inspire us to go live this principle out. Romans 12, 13 says, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Share with God's people in need, practice hospitality. He's talking specifically about people that have been marginalized and people that have been persecuted. They've lost everything. You've got missionaries, you've got Christians, you've got people that have just been scattered and they've lost it all. And what is he saying? Be on the lookout for them and care for them. Share with God's people when they're in need. And when they're in that desperate of a situation, what is he saying? He's very much saying what Jesus said. They ain't going to reward you back. They're not going to reciprocate this. They have nothing to bless you with. Share with God's people because they're in need. And then very simply, here's a scripture to just memorize. Practice hospitality. Practice it. Now the NIV that this is written in doesn't quite compel us in the same way. Practice. We're talking about practice. You know, that idea. But it, another translation would say be given to. Intentionality. Pursuit. Chasing. Hunting. Chase hospitality would be another way you could say it. Pursue hospitality. And all the Martha Stewarts and Joanna Gaines in the room, yes! But it should be for all of us, not just those that are hardwired for it. We're chasing after it. We're looking for it. We're not just waiting for when somebody posts it on their Facebook page. We're looking for it. We're pursuing it. We're chasing after it. We're asking questions. We're listening. We're hearing what's going on. And we're looking for those opportunities to put this into practice. Don't wait. Go do it. To be people who are intentionally pursuing opportunities to be generously hospitable. That's what this week is all about. Let's go do that. Let's do that tonight. As you hang out with trick-or-treaters, kids with scary masks and all that stuff. Kids dressed up as zombies or princesses or butterflies, whatever they're dressed up as. Be generous to them. Be generous to those families. Be generous this week. Be on the lookout for who you could be generous with. And watch what happens. Let's pray for chances. Let's pray for open, open doors. Let's pray for opportunities. Let's pray. This morning I want to extend an opportunity to anyone who wants to respond and saying yes to Jesus for the first time or the first time in a long time. Maybe you made that decision a long time, but you've kind of deviated and detoured and gone your own way. Maybe you've never made that decision for yourself. But we're talking about a generous God today. Generous not just in his resources, but generous with his love. A love that brings forgiveness and a fresh start, a clean heart, and generous enough to give us eternity as the reward. A love that we can't earn. No one in this room has earned the love of God. But we can respond to it. So I want to give you a chance to respond today. If, if you've never made that decision or it's been a long time and you want to say yes to Jesus today, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. I'm going to support you in the best decision you'll ever make was just to say yes to Jesus. Okay, 
Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are a generous God, a loving God, a caring and compassionate God. I pray for each of us that you, you know our hearts. You know the Jenga towers that we've been constructing, and I pray that you break us free. Break us free of materialism or greed or stinginess, transactional mindsets and paradigms that need to be broken. God, anything that isn't of you and your heart, and I pray that you develop a heart of generosity in each and every one of us. I pray that this week and in the weeks to come, you open up opportunities for us to be generous, to see our stuff differently, to see our money differently, to see our table. Help us to see our tables differently as a chance to bless the people we sit with. Help us to love with our actions. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. If you'd like more information regarding Hub City Church, find us at thehubcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.